This is, these are my friends, Luke and Noah. They're going to help me tonight, just reading a few things. Uh, it, was, it was really good this, this morning. It was really fun. As I was walking home, there was a family coming with a bunch of small kids, and one of the lads was screaming, I want to go back to church. I want to go back to church. Which, <laughs> I don't think I ever screamed that when I was a child. Um, sometimes the other way around. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys like riddles? Anybody like riddles? We've, um, at home, I live with my older sister and she's got a couple of little kids and the kids have gotten really into riddles. Um, yeah, the clicker is working, good. The first one, I'm gonna ease you in gently. This is a nice easy one. My, my niece, Allegra, who's six, wrote this one. See if you can get it, nice easy one to start with. Are you reading this one, Luke? Yeah, go ahead. So riddle number one, here we go. Um, I have suckers and they are on both of five, bo the bottom of five of my arms. Um, I live on the beach. I sometimes move, but very slowly. I like to go in rock pools. You might find me in aquariums. What am I? Anybody? Starfish. Took me an embarrassingly long time to get that one. <laughs> I was trying to think, is it a squid with a leg missing? Or <laughs> is the five arms that threw me? I just could... Um, next one, Noah. This one's trickier. I'll be impressed if you get this one. I am on the ground, getting stepped on by others. But you don't have to wash me because I never get dirty. In fact, you could not wash me, even if you tried. Anybody? Anyone? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Anybody? If you look around you, you can see it's all over the floor, the answer to this question. If you look down, you'll see it everywhere. Anyone, do you want to read it again, Noah? I am on the ground getting stepped on by others, but you don't have to wash me because I never get dirty. In fact, you could not wash me even if you tried. Shadow, well done, it's shadows, very good. Next one, Luke, this is one for, if you're a fan of The Hobbit, this one's taken from The Hobbit, the riddles between Gollum and, and Bilbo. Alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. Anyone? So Bilbo's, Bilbo's in a boat, I think, in the water, and he's really struggling to get this riddle right, and Gollum starts to approach him, and then something happens that saves him, if I remember rightly in The Hobbit. Anyone? Something jumps up out of the water. I keep doing that, sorry. <laughs> I've never done that before. <laughs> Someone shouted out the answer, actually. It's not clicker, it's fishes, yeah. Fish, it's a fish. Okay, last one now. I'm not going to tell you the answer to this last one. I'm going to leave it with you for a while to ponder. Here we go, go for it, Noah. I can be in a letter, I can be in a meal. I can be a decision and something you feel. If you didn't choose me, I am no longer real. What happened? There we go. I'll leave that one with you. So um, we're now going to move on. You might be wondering, what on earth are we doing here? <laughs> I thought this was a Christian church, not a center for riddles. Um, the last time I spoke, we spoke right the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, which is the creation story, all the way through into chapter 2 when God created the Sabbath and rested. Uh, and you can, you can see that. That's on our, our church's YouTube channel. 
And we're now moving on to chapter 2 from verse 4 onwards. Uh, Quite an interesting passage, and and Luke and Noah are going to read it for me. Go for it, Luke. Cheers. Um, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God uh, had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And and the man became a living creature. And the Lord, Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and, they, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made uh, to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first, the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedalim and Onyx Stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gion. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows, around the, which flows east of Assyria, Assyria. Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. 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 The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you, sh- you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge, of good of, and good of of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the, in the day that you eat, you eat of it, you shall surely die. Go for it, Luke. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to the beasts of the field. Uh, But for Adam there was not, uh, not found, sorry, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Thanks for reading for us. Some tricky river names in that, in that passage. I'm just going to move these across. Should we, should we pray? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through it. Thank you that you're present here now by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, give us hearts that are open and ears that are open. Pray that as your word is opened, that you would bring good things into our life and that our lives would bear fruit for you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was um, I was driving for my dad for the first time in England last week in a hire car. I'd never driven for my dad in England before. I had a little bit nervous, new car, hadn't driven much on motorways before. Um, and we came to a sign. This sign kept coming up, and I, <laughs> my dad had already slightly thrown me by saying that's illegal when I changed lanes in a place where it was illegal. It was just one of those situations where you <laughs> my dad's not the best passenger to drive. Uh, anyway, I kept seeing these signs, and I said, I can't for the life of me remember what that sign means. Do you remember, Dad? And I suspect my dad couldn't remember either, but he's not the sort of person to just say, oh, I don't know. So he, he thought for a minute, and he said, that's the sign that means don't get, do, don't get too cocky. You don't know everything. <laughs> does, anyone consider, does anyone actually know what the sign means? I have looked this up. Immediately after the journey, I looked up the sign. Anyone know what it means? No stopping, clear way. That's right. But it can also mean, a sign. next time you see it, remember, don't get too cocky, you don't know everything. <laughs> and I sometimes feel like that with the Bible. When I looked at this passage... There's a lot in this passage where I looked at it and I thought, I don't know what that means. I don't know the meaning of that. Um, and it can be like that with driving. But like with driving, there's enough in the passage for you to get an idea of what God's trying to say. There's enough while you're driving. You know if you see a, a, a circle with a 70 in it that you shouldn't go over 70 miles an hour. At least that's what I was told. I, I was doing 70 and everyone else didn't seem to know about the sign. Um, LAUGHTER uh, and, and, and like we're driving, in this passage, I feel like there's enough there for us to get an idea of what God's trying to say. So what, what is God trying to say in this passage? The last time I spoke, I spoke on creation, and we looked at pavements and pigeons. I don't know if you're here for that. It's, <laughs> if you don't have a clue what I'm on about, just look at the video. It's on YouTube. We, we looked at creation and all the good things that God made, all the beauty and the generosity and the goodness of it. And we kind of see that repeated here in this passage. There's a number of things that God gives to the man. And tonight we're going to be looking at seven things that God gives to the man. We're just going to work straight through them. So straight in, what has God given? God's given to the man, as we look at this passage, straight away, he gives him a body, breath, and life. It says, the Lord God formed him out of the dust of the ground. Have you ever thought about that? Just, just stop and think for a minute. Everyone in this room has those three things. We all have a body, 
a breath and life. They might not all be in perfect working order. Uh, we live in a broken world. But you ever stop just think, I have a body, I have breath, I have life, how, how precious those things are. Number two, what's the second thing? Is anyone here a gardener? Anyone like gardening? I'm not, I'm not a great gardener. A number of gardeners here. What's the second thing God gives man in the passage? <laughs> well done. It's not a three-bed semi. It's not a job. It's not even clothing. Before anything else, God plants a garden and puts the man in it. Gives him a garden to live in. Number two. Going straight through. quite quick. And in that garden, God gives man two of the best things in the world. God gives him beauty and food. It says that out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, so beauty, and good for food. God, God gives him beauty and food. Money might not grow on trees, but beauty and food do. And with that beauty, we, we read about the rivers. There's beautiful rivers. There's gold. There's beautiful stones. God puts him in a place that's beautiful and good for him to live. But the man isn't just left to eat and look at the beauty, God blesses him even more by giving him something else, something else that's wonderful. God gives him satisfying and productive work to do. It says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. It's very important to remember that work isn't a bad thing that we have to do to survive. We're created for working. And you know, when you get, when you get something that God's made, and with our creativity and our effort and our time, we turn it into something. There's something really beautiful about, beautiful about that. I'll give you a few examples. So an obvious one, furniture. I, I, I love when someone's taken a tree and turned it into something beautiful and useful. It's an obvious example. Another example, food. When we take the things that God's caused to grow up out of the ground, and some people, my brother-in-law Sam's here, is a tremendous cook, and you, you take all those things and you mix them together with heat and out comes something amazing. Have you ever thought about a cup of tea? I'm sure you have. Um, <laughs> how many different things that God's made? If you think of tea leaves and you think of the little bag that someone's invented to make and the string and the piece of paper and then the mug that someone's fired and the milk from the cow. If you think about the, the creativity and the work of man in bringing the things God's made together and giving it order and beauty. And work's an amazing thing. Slightly, slightly more out there example, God gives children. Have you ever thought that looking after children is bringing order and beauty to what God's created? Children don't tend to come out of the womb ordered. <laughs> But, but as you look after them, as you, as you raise a child, they, they become ordered and beautiful. I wonder, just to pause there for a second, I wonder where in your life, question for you, where in your life, it might be in your work, it might be outside of work, where do you take the things that God's made and bring order and beauty to them with your creativity, with your time? Something to think about. Looking at Dave at the back, Dave's a builder. He, does, he brings order and beauty to things God's made. So, with the, with the work, with, so God gives him satisfying, productive work to do, and with that, God starts to show how he wants to relate to people. 
he treat, how he wants to relate to the man. He treats him with respect. And this is really important, this bit now. God gives the man real responsibility. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Man is not like an animal. His decisions, so the decisions he makes, his work, his choices become part of what God's doing, become part of God's work. It's not going to be God who looks after the garden. It's going to be man. The way man looks after the garden is how it's going to be looked after. It's not God who gives names to all these amazing animals. It's the man. It says, whatever name the man chose, that's the name it had. So man, this is really important, but the man's not just floating around. His life and his decisions are really important to God. God respects and honors them. So that's the first five. Quick summary. God's given a body, breath, and life, a garden to live in, beauty and food, satisfying productive work to do, and real responsibility. Now, there's another thing that God gives the man. Um, He gives the man a command. He says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, over the last number of weeks, I've been looking at this passage, and this was the bit that I really got stuck on and I really wrestled with. And my question is this. Why did God make that tree? Why did God make that tree? Why did God give that command? I've really wrestled with that, because in the fruit of that tree is the potential for every horror that cuts our heart as people. In the fruit of that tree, there's the potential for death, the death of adults and the death of children. In the eating of the fruit of that tree, there's a doorway to everything horrible we can think of. You think the Great Wars, the Holocaust, Every heartbreak that's ever happened or will ever happen, famine, toothache, Hiroshima, sore knees, school shootings, bad backs, plagues, heart failure, sight loss, the Rwandan genocide. And God knew that. And God made the tree. And God made the fruit. So my question is, why? A little while ago, Sam was preaching in James, and this is from James chapter 1. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So why did God create that tree? What if I said to you that that tree was actually part of one of the greatest gifts God gave to mankind? What if I said to you that it was a doorway to the greatest thing a person can experience in life? Do you remember the riddle from earlier? I can be in a letter, I can be in a meal, I can be a decision and something you feel. If you didn't choose me, I'm no longer real. Anyone get it? Anybody? Love. Love. It's love. 
I can be in a letter, I can be in a meal, I can be a decision and something you feel. If you didn't choose me, I'm no longer real. And the thing is, suffering, God is fully aware that suffering is awful. But there is something worse than suffering, even worse than all the suffering in the world. Even worse than all of that would be a world without love. And for there to be love, there has to be choice. I was talking about this with my nephew, Zion, in the bath at bath time. I was talking about, can you imagine, do you think it would actually be love if you had to love someone, you didn't have a choice, you had to love them? He said, that's not love. He said, that's not love, that's forced kindness. I really like the way he worded it, that's forced kindness. And God says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It says that in scripture. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And what that tree represents is that tree represents the opportunity to choose to love God. And so in giving the tree, God gave man a sixth thing. He gave man real responsibility, and he gave man the ability to love, and the ability to love in a way that's real. He gave man the ability to choose to love God every day. So every time the man looked at that tree, he could say, today I choose to obey God, today I choose to love God. And so in giving us hearts that can love, God has given us hearts that can choose not to love. Does that make sense? Are you following? To have a heart that can love, you have to be able to choose. It's interesting. Do you notice what God gave the man straight after that command? What did God give the man? So he gives the command, in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And then he says straight away, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. So God gives the man the ability to love in a real way, and then he gives him somebody to practice love with. So he gives man the ability to love in a way that's real, and then he gives him someone to love. It's almost like God's saying, it's over to you, Adam. Will you love me? Will you choose to love me? Will you choose to love her? So what does that mean for us? It means that if you're sat here today, if you're listening to me, it means that our decisions matter. And we have freedom to make real decisions. This isn't a game. Your life really matters. You have freedom to make real decisions, even bad decisions. Did you notice that God said, you may eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden? And in the garden, there were two trees, weren't there, that were especially highlighted. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man was free to eat from the tree of life, and yet he didn't. We're free to choose bad things, and we're free to not choose good things, including loving God. So your life matters. Your life isn't meaningless. The decisions you make matter. They have real meaning. You have the choice to choose or reject God's way of doing things every moment of every day. My mom always says, 
Paul, you're rubbish at giving practical, practical examples of how to do, you know, practical applications when you preach. You're rubbish at giving solid examples. So I've made a real effort to try and give some solid examples. Think about your evening tonight. Tonight you're going to go home and you'll be faced with a number of choices, whether you recognize them as choices or not. And the decision that sits before you in all of those choices is, will you choose to love and obey God or not? So I'll give you an example. There are a lot of families here at the church. I'll try and give you a few solid examples to keep my mom happy. There are a lot of families here at the church that know that God loves the fatherless. And because they know that, they've made decisions in the area of who they welcome into their homes in terms of fostering and adoption. There's a culture of that here in this church. People who have brought children who find themselves without parents or in a difficult home situation and have fostered. That's one example. Another example, one of my closest friends, he, when he was a young man, he had a girlfriend, long-term girlfriend. He wasn't a Christian, she wasn't a Christian. And like most couples do, they, they slept together. They were having sex. And my friend, after a number of years, he became a Christian. And shortly after he became a Christian, his girlfriend, who he never imagined would become a Christian, she was an atheist, she became a Christian suddenly out of nowhere. And they found themselves suddenly in a situation where it's, well, God... We've been having sex for years, but God says that sex is for inside of marriage. And so they said, well, if we're going to honor and obey God, we need to stop having sex until we're married. And so for huge effort, they stopped and worked really hard at it. We're not going to have sex until we get married. That's an example of choosing to obey and love God, going so against what they were used to and what they wanted to do. Hard work. For me... The hardest struggle I have in, in my day-to-day -day life in, in choosing to love and obey God is just what I think about. You know, when I'm on my own, when I'm in the shower, when I'm in my room, where does my mind go? And I, I'm aware, I constantly have that choice. Do I want to put my mind on things that God loves and wants me to think on, or do I want to think about other stuff? I wonder what will you choose? Your life really matters. Do you want to... Um, I'll give you another example of someone choosing well. In a garden, there were some men in a deep sleep. In a garden, there were some men in a deep sleep. And those men were in a deep sleep, but there was another man who was awake, and he was wrestling, and he was saying to God, God, I don't want it to be this way, but you have your way. Let your will be done, not mine. In a garden while men were in deep sleep, he was wrestling, not my way. Let your way be done. And that same man had his side opened. That same man had his side opened and his life taken out of him so that we would never have to be alone. Do you see the connection? That same man's side was pierced in the way that Adam's side was opened so that we would never have to be alone. And where Adam's companion for life came out of him, Jesus' death on the cross, his side being opened, means that the Holy Spirit can come and live inside us.
Thing is, God knew that giving us the ability to reject him would risk bringing awful suffering and death into the world. Because if you reject the source of life, in your life, if you reject the one who gives life and everything that's good, the generous, creative God, if you make the decision to reject him, and you're free to, then death and destruction come with that. But God values real love so highly, it's so precious to him, that it's worth that danger. And he made plans for it, and we see whispers of that plan right at the beginning with Adam. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus says to you tonight, if you follow me, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You never have to live alone. It talks about the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. I don't know if you feel shame in your life if you feel guilt, if you feel dirty. But we can be clothed. The Bible talks all the time about being clothed in God's righteousness, and that's on offer for us. We can live without shame or fear when Jesus comes into our lives. So all the way through the Bible, God's showing us his position. He said, I give you the choice. Do you want to love me? But my position is, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to have his side opened on the cross. He's going to give his life for you. My choice is to love you. My position is to love you. It says this in the, in the New Testament, in 1 John. We love because he first loved us. Before you make your choice as to whether you're going to love God or not, what you're going to do with your evening, what you're going to do with your week, God says, I love you. Here's how much I love you. I have my side pierced for you. I've made my decision. What will your decision be? So just to finish now, this might be new information to you. You might have heard all this before. But you have a real choice. Your life and your choices are your own. No one's going to make them for you. But you have a choice tonight whether or not you want to do things God's way. And God stands there and says, I love you but I'm not gonna force you. But if you want to walk with me, I love you and I'll never leave you. And even if you mess up, I'll still love you and I'll still never leave you. I'll always be with you. You'll never be alone. So I wonder tonight, tonight you have available to you, anyone that's here, you have available to you the choice to follow Jesus, to live life his way. And I thought what we'd do just to finish is you know, because you can very easily, you can be in a moment and you can think something and then distractions come and you start feeling something else and thinking something else and you move away from that thought process. So I thought what we do now is just have a moment of silence and then if Noah, you guys are okay to take over, just going to have a moment of silence and then I'm going to pray and just say, God, how can I love you with my life tonight? Let's have a moment of silence together now.
Father, you made the heavens and the earth, and you made us, you made our bodies, you gave us life. And you made the world, you made it beautiful. And you gave us hearts that can love. And yet in your kindness, in your gentleness, you never force love on us. And Lord, we acknowledge that we often have chosen to do things our way and gone against you and rejected you, the, the maker of life. And Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that you took on yourself the punishment that we deserve. Thank you that when we were in a deep sleep, you were awake, looking for a way for us not to be alone. Thank you that you had your side opened so that we should never be alone. Thank you that you love us and that your steadfast love goes on forever and ever. Pray, help us to love you better. Help us to love one another better. In Jesus' name, amen.